0: Oh, good morning. What a great morning it's been so far. We've um, we've had people walking around the room. Ruth has encouraged us to pray in whatever language we choose. And I think there might be quite a few represented in the room. We've got Ify over there. Praising the Lord as only if he can do. Love it, if he. Never stop being yourself. Fantastic. And you can see I might be heading somewhere with this. And today I want to talk about us being different together. So I've talked in the past about how we sometimes navigate different cultures and that sort of thing. And, you know, maybe going some way to like learning a little bit of language or just going some way to understanding someone. But today I want to talk about the, the strength and the sheer joy of having so many different people in the room and encountering God together. And we're going to be looking at Acts 10. I'm going to be flitting around it a bit, so I've warned Amy that she might not necessarily be able to keep up with everything. But Acts 10 is a fantastic story about Peter and Cornelius. And up until this... Stage, I'll just set the scene. Jesus has come, he's died, he's risen again, he's gone to heaven, the Holy Spirit's come, the early church has been established, then it's been persecuted and scattered, and now we've come to here. And I'm not going to read the whole passage because it's really, really long, but I'm going to try and set the scene for you. So, Peter is one of Jesus' disciples, a Jew, and Cornelius is a Roman soldier, possibly retired part of the sort of occupying troops, if you might say. Cornelius is a Gentile, Peter is a Jew. And one day Cornelius is in his house and Cornelius is what would be described, uh, was described as a devout, a devout person. In actual fact, he hadn't been converted by any of the Jews. He had come to his own conclusions about God and he loved God and he served God and he gave to the poor and he said his prayers and, you know, he'd established his own faith with God. And this came to God's attention, that Cornelius was a faithful, a faithful um, friend of God. And so God wanted to help Cornelius by, by just helping him move on in his faith with God and move on his, with, with his journey. And so he said to him, send some people to a different town, to Joppa, about a, a day and a half's walk away. Send some people and there you'll find a man called Peter and he's gonna come back and he's gonna tell you more about God. Meanwhile, Peter is in Joppa and he is hungry, he's on the roof, He falls into a bit of a trance, as you do, and God starts to speak to him. A sheep comes down out of heaven with all these um, animals on, things that Peter would not normally eat. And God says to him, go ahead, Peter, you can eat any of these things. And Peter's like, surely not, God, these are all unclean. And God says to him, no, no, if, if I've said it's clean, then it's clean. And as usual with Peter, God has to do it three times. If you notice, there's a pattern with Peter in the Bible. It's a bit like me. If Brendan has to tell me something, I'm like, tell it me three times because it won't, it won't stick. Five times, okay, yeah, five. <laughs> Peter's only three. So um, so then Peter wakes up, these men arrive and kind of the whole thing comes together in one glorious conclusion because, you know, they've come from two different places they've met. Peter now goes to Cornelius' house and that's where things get quite exciting. We are going to pick it up at, I think, verse 24 but I'm not going to read it all so we're going to start there. The next day, Peter started out with them. Actually, I think i wear worthy. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him get up. "'Stand up,' he said. "'I am only a man myself.'" Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? So Cornelius relates what's happened. And then he says, now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. And then down at verse 44, it says, Oh, Peter then goes on to explain everything about Jesus. And then in verse, in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who had heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptised with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Amazing. What a story. And the really interesting thing is that as this story begins... Peter and Cornelius perceive that they are a world apart. They perceive that they are so different from each other that that they cannot even mix together. But God, God has joined them together. God sees their faith. God knows who they are. And God has joined them both together. So we see that Peter is... Um, a Jew. He is a contemporary of Jesus. He was there when Jesus walked the earth. And, you know, in his mind, um, he has some very specific things that he has to do in following the Jewish law. And so he couldn't possibly be going to Cornelius' house. Um, Cornelius, on the other hand, kind of thinks that Peter, as a Jew, must be better than him. We notice that when Peter arrives at Cornelius' house, he actually prostrates himself he actually falls on the floor in front of him and Peter says oh no no I'm just a man I'm just a man you know you need to get up and they have these very differing views of each other but God brings them together in an incredible way now I'm not trying to say that um you know, there are certain people in this room that are Peter and there are certain people that are in this room are Cornelius. You, if you want to write yourself into the story, you can write yourself in, in whichever way you like. You might identify with Peter, you might identify with Cornelius. Um, but the point is that there is such a, a great change as the, as the story goes on. And I love the fact that Peter realises that actually it's not his job to judge who's in and who's out. It's not his job to judge who is clean and who is acceptable. And God makes it very clear to him, if God has said that somebody is clean, if God has sanctified somebody, if Jesus has died for somebody, then they are made clean by God, not by what Peter thinks. And I love how on this journey, he he changes his view so radically. And as these two men come together joined by their faith and yet so different, it makes me think of us as a church family. And the same could be said of us that we are all from different backgrounds, different nations, different parts of the UK. Some people are even from the South. Come on. <laughs> but we are joined here by our faith. And I want to just use this passage to bring out some points um, why I think our diversity is so wonderful, why I am so happy to be here in this body of people when we are all so different. So I have four points, and they all begin with E. Yes. (laughs) And the first one, it is Excellent, indeed, thank you, Brendan. And the first point is about experience. In particular, new experiences. So both Peter and Cornelius have new experiences in this this story. Peter ends up on an an unexpected journey. He's going to an unfamiliar house. Um, He breaks the law. I bet he didn't expect to do that when he woke up that morning. Um, and Cornelius is meeting new people. He ends up with Peter and a few of the people that come from Joppa all staying in his house. Um, And, you know, it's all that Cornelius was doing was just praying and seeking God in the way he usually did. And things get... They take a very unexpected turn. And um, and, uh, Cornelius and his family end up with him baptised in the Holy Spirit and water. These are massive new experiences. And... I don't know about you but I know that in in meeting people who are different from me people from different cultures different in all sorts of different ways I have had many adventures and many new experiences of course the best one being when you go to somebody's house and they serve you food isn't that a great new experience <laughs> you know when you I remember the first time I went to an Iranian household it was two young men both called Mo Mo-1 and Mo-2, some of of you might remember them. And we were invited to their house for food. I had no idea what I was eating. It turns out I was eating Korma Sabzi, which if you're Iranian, you will know exactly what it is. You will know and love it. But it was like nothing I had ever had before. It was like chopped up greens, and it had got kidney beans in, and I think it had some meat, and it looked like nothing I'd ever been served before. It was a new experience. I have learned to love this dish. I'm not sure I did the first time I tried it. So I would say with all new experiences, stick with them, because sometimes we have things to learn there. But the other thing is, and this is probably the most exciting thing in this story, they both experienced God in a new way. This would never have happened if they had not been brought together. And I don't think they could have done this unless they were brought together. Neither Peter nor Cornelius knew what was going to happen or could expect that this was going to be the thing that happened to them. And it was the same in Acts 2. Somehow, there seems to be something in God's heart that when you get people together who are different, God moves. If you think back to Acts 2... You know, it just so happened that there were people from so many different places that were in one place when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples and the followers of Jesus, and they all heard their own languages being spoken. That was miraculous. But it was all to do with the fact that these were all different people, all in one place. And there is just something about that. I seem to remember that a couple of weeks ago, Richard in his preach did say that collectively we're more intelligent when we're together. Yes, he is nodding his head. And I think collectively we're just more of God when we're all together. You know, it's the well this Wednesday. And I remember at the, at the last time we had the well, and I would encourage you to come along. There is a kind of intimacy about it that, that, that you don't get in the other meetings that we have. And in this particular meeting, we were praying for the nations, which you know is always gonna excite me. And we had different people representing different nations. And our dear friend, Jackie Simpson, was representing the nation of Jamaica. And she started to pray, and she started to pray passionately, and she started to pray in Jamaican patois. And it was like, Jackie Simpson turned up. You know, she was there in all her Jamaicanness and it was fantastic, and I was able to give a wholehearted amen. She was praying for her community, she was praying for her people, she was praying for her nation, and and I did not think, oh well, that's Jackie doing her thing. I thought, come on, this is us doing our thing and giving the amen to Jackie, and it was really exciting to have a new experience of hearing somebody pray that language in in one of our meetings. So, look out for the new experience. And then there's expansion. Just that whole idea of being made bigger, of having your capacity increased. It says in verse 45, Peter was astonished when the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. His mind and his spirit were expanded. They were challenged. His horizons were broadened. He never expected this to happen. And then he says, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptised. You know, this is a completely new way of thinking for Peter. You know, I think it even blows the mind of some of us sometimes, because I think sometimes we think, oh, you know, maybe you get saved, and then you get baptised in water, and then you get baptised in the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not what happened here. You know, things got all mashed about. And it was a really new way of, of thinking and The Holy Spirit shows Peter and Cornelius something that they couldn't have seen unless they'd been engaged with each other. And he says, I now realize that God does not show favoritism. Peter's mind is blown. Everything he's ever thought about, he thought that Jesus came for the Jews. He was like like this and suddenly he was like this and everything got bigger and broader and i find this happens for me you might have had the same experience that sometimes my friends particularly friends from other countries they'll say to me things like why do you do things like that why don't you do this and you know my my answer sometimes is be patient with us we're not there yet because when I talk to some of my friends that have come from countries where they absolutely have to rely wholeheartedly and completely on their faith in God, and, you know, sometimes they, their faith is just stronger than mine because they have come from a place where there is no welfare state. You know, there is no there is no food bank. There is no somebody to, to, to help with things. There is no body of people that may be like this that, and hear me right here, that are are as affluent as this. I know that we aren't all, but there are people here that when they hear a need, need, they've got enough money to be able to give without really thinking about it. But there there are countries where people have very little, they're they're relying, they might have material things, but they're relying on themselves and on God so much. And I often say, bear with this, because in this Western world, we have so many distractions we have so many resources, we have so many things that kind of come at us, you know, the word of God is so easily available to us, and when I see my, you know, my friends for whom this doesn't come as easily, I think, wow, I just need to broaden my horizon and not stay in my comfortable little place, and Jesus once had to um, challenge the disciples. They had, they'd got their vision had gone a little bit tunneled. You know, we can all do that, can't we? We get a little bit narrow sometimes. And this is a story in Mark 9, verses 38 to 41. And this is where um, Jesus has sent the disciples out and they're all kind of, they've learned from Jesus and they're kind of having a go and that sort of thing. And um, then They they come back to talk to Jesus and they say, teacher, that's Jesus. Uh, This is John talking. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. How many times do we think that person is not one of us? So maybe their faith is not like ours. Maybe they're different to us. Maybe maybe they 're not quite as valid as we are. I know that we don't do it all the time, but it's easy to kind of slip into that sometimes because they 're not one of us and Jesus says, "Do not stop him for no one does a miracle in my name. no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me for whoever is not against us is." For us, truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Jesus had to show the disciples that they too needed to broaden their horizons, that it can't just be this narrow way of looking at things. So it's expansion, expanding ourselves, expanding our capacity, expanding the way that we see things. And then the next one is exchange. I love an exchange. There's always an exchange. You know, Peter um, tells Cornelius and his family about Jesus, and he tells him everything from an eyewitness point of view. How amazing would that be? And Cornelius gets to host Peter and gets to be the one that demonstrates how the Holy Spirit can move on non-Jews. And there's an exchange here, there's an exchange in learning, there's an exchange in hospitality, there's an exchange of things going on here. And it's never one way, is it? You know, if you're helping somebody, you always receive something in turn. As you share of yourself, you always get something back. And it's not just learning about other cultures or traditions, I find myself, as I've said, challenged by the depth of faith of my friends, often born out of hardship and persecution. You know, I've helped some people in some really desperate situations before now, and I've actually felt anxious on their behalf when I've known that I haven't been able to do anything. And then out of their mouth will come the most incredible confession of faith. We just need to pray. We only have Jesus to rely on. Jesus will be the one that helps us. Jesus will see us through. And I found that in my effort to help someone, they have calmed my fears. They have increased my faith. And so there is always an exchange to be had with people who are different. And then finally, there is expectation. You know, the whole world for Peter and Cornelius tilted on its axis and they learned to expect different things. They learned to expect more of what God can do for them and through them. You know, Cornelius says, so I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Can you imagine the expectation in that room? Cornelius has been out and he's got his family and he's got a wider family as well so when Peter arrives there is a, a house full of people that Peter is going to tell them about Jesus but can you imagine what the expectation was it took a day and a half for Peter to get there so they're kind of gathered, they're ready there's somebody on lookout you know, I can't, know, he's not, no, not yet, no uh, no, no, it's not him, no, 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 no. oh no, that's somebody else I can see him, they're coming, they're on the way yet yeah, I can see them they're about quarter of a mile down the road. let's get ready and they've got the, they've got the Drinks ready, they've got the chai ready, they've got, you know, the snacks, they've got everything ready okay. And then when Peter comes, they have their little snack, and and obviously they're going to do the hospitality first. But then they're like, we have come together in the presence of God. Can you imagine the expectation? What on earth is going to happen? And look what does happen. And as a result of that exchange, there is a change in expectation that that has ramifications basically in history. So in Acts 11, we find that Peter is having to justify himself for why he has broken the law. The God-fearing Jews and the the Jews that are, you know, following all the rules, basically, they haul him in and they're like, why did you break the law? Why did you go and visit with a non-Jew? So Peter proceeds to explain to them, all that's happened, and he tells them about the Holy Spirit moving and about them being baptized in water. And at the end of it, they basically go, hmm, we can't argue with that. Fair enough. We can see why you broke the law. And then this is what happens next. This is in Acts 11, verse 19. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution, talked about that a bit earlier, that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. I like to think that it was the encounter between Peters and Cornelius that gave these people an expectation that God can move on people other than the Jews. This was an absolute turning point for the early church. And if God can do that, what can he do here? In all our difference, in all our backgrounds, in all our experiences... What do we expect God to do? When somebody walks in and they're from a different culture, when they don't look like us, when they don't sound like us, what do we expect? Do we expect to hear from God? Or do we expect to be a little bit nervous because we don't really know who they are or what they're doing? I think it's probably both. But let's expect. Let's expect to hear. Let's expect God to move. So experience, expansion, exchange and expectation. And this is such a joyful story. It represents a huge milestone in the development of the early church. It is full of hope and collaboration, of change and encounter. And there seems to be a prevailing culture these days, a popular culture of you do you. And I think it's supposed to be affirming. And I get that it's okay for people to be themselves. That's a good thing. But what about if rather than you do you over there and I do me over there? What about if we do us? What about if we do us together, all different but loved by God together? What about if we embrace new experience and encounters with God? We allow our hearts and minds to be expanded and our horizons broadened. We exchange with one another as we learn from one another. We increase our mutual love and respect of one another. And let's raise our expectations of what God will do in us, and through us, and with us. We are a glorious mixture of cultures, countries, backgrounds, generations, abilities, and disabilities. With all our differences and our imperfections, but we are who we are. And we are together. So I would, thank you. I would love it if the um, guys could come back up, and I would love it if we can break bread together. We're still doing it in that slightly restricted way, so it's together in heart and mind rather than being able to exchange. Unfortunately, COVID is still around, so we're still being a little bit cautious, but I would love it if we can break bread together as an act of togetherness, of an act of unity, as an act of all of us united by the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus. I'm just gonna pray as the guys get that ready. Father, I want to thank you so much for this wonderful body of people that we are here. Thank you that you have brought us together in all our difference. But thank you that we are entirely united because of what Jesus did on the cross. Thank you, Father, that you sent your son Jesus to die for every one of us. That in your eyes, we are all The same. We are loved the same. We are loved completely by you. And as we celebrate the body and the blood of Jesus, we celebrate together. Father, as we take this, we want to celebrate you and give you the glory. And Jesus, we want to give you thanks for your sacrifice and your body and your blood broken and shed for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.